you're listening to Save Me an ILC, the show that talks about musicals in an understandable and relatable way. I'm Katie, and I'm joined by my fellow <laughs> musical enthusiasts, Amber and Kylie. Hello. Also joining us is our musical newbie, Matt. Hello. So this week we are on our fifth episode, and we are talking about one of our favorites, Wicked. Ba-ba-da. Wicked. Yay. So hyped told story of the witches of oz this musical is based off of a novel written by gregory Maguire, titled wicked the life and times of the wicked witch of the west which was published in 1995 i didn't realize it was that old until i looked into it yeah it but i guess it makes it popular sense. until like 2009 ish yeah uh, and of course this book is a retelling of the classic novel, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, by L. Frank Baum in 1900. Whoa. Also didn't realize it was that old. Yeah, goodness. I'm bad with history. Wow. So, yeah. Wicked, the musical, was written by Stephen Schwartz and Winnie Holtzman. Schwartz read the book and was, like, super interested in it. He was on vacation and, like, reading it and freaked out about how awesome it was. Nice. So he reached out to McGuire, but McGuire had already sold film rights to Universal Pictures. Oh. But Schwartz pleaded with them to make it a stage production, which clearly eventually came to be. I just realized that it's like gotten so close to not being a thing. Yeah. The thought that we could be without this right now oh, hurts. Hurts. So the, the overall premise of both the book and the musical is that of good and evil. Right, so it's designed to set the reader thinking about what re- it really is to be wicked. Good intentions with bad results are the same as bad intentions with bad results. Okay. Who knows? Who, Who knows? knows? It's kind of funny. We 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 already did like a Jekyll and Hyde, which is also a what's good and what's evil. So that's kind of fun. I like that. So yeah, so it uh, actually premiered at the Gershwin Theater in two thousand and three. Again, didn't realize it was that old. Yep. <laughs> it's just been around <laughs> my entire life, uh, basically. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, it had various North American productions, a West End slash London production, two UK and Ireland tours, and a series of international productions. Not surprised in the slightest. It has surpassed $1 billion in total Broadway revenue. Hey. Wow. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> and in 2019 which is now last year, with its 6,681st performance, it passed Les Mis as Broadway's fifth longest-running show. Wow. Think about that for a minute. Les Mis. Classic theater. Wicked wow. is longer. I know. It's so crazy. It's, I believe it, though, because it always feels like it's on Broadway in my head. I don't know. It's still a baby. Still, yeah, still technically a baby. But it's won many awards along the way. It's been, it's gotten three Tonys, seven Drama Desks, and a Grammy, as well as a bunch of other smaller awards for different productions. Now, we are focusing on the Broadway cast recording, which you can find on our Spotify. And so that's the, that's the one the rendition will be going off of. I don't know if there's actually another rendition recorded out there anyway. There was an updated recording put out more recently, but this is the only main recording that exists. Okay, okay, okay. I gotcha. So yeah, so we're just focusing on that one. So the score is heavily thematic. It, it really does tell the story. So even if you don't get the chance to see it ever, you you will get the story from the music, which is fantastic. One major motif of the score is like a giant shadow terrorizing you, which 
I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> it's so <laughs> true, though. It is kind of true. Fun fact, uh, an, one other major motif of the score, Unlimited, includes the first seven notes of Over the Rainbow. To include the eighth note is when copyright law comes into play. <laughs> I didn't That's realize good that. good to know. I had no idea either. That's, yeah, I, I'm going to have to listen to that and try and pick that out. Um, it's like super changed it's been like slowed down and the tune uh, tone of it is different but it's apparently the same seven notes but they were still like hey, hey tying it all in hey. we're getting away with this <laughs> hang oh. back lawyers hang back we didn't do the eighth note <laughs> nanny boo boo uh, this recording was released in 2003 and was certified double platinum in 2010 which means that it sold over 2 million copies which I definitely have like two copies of that. So the original Broadway cast included Kristen Chenoweth and Idina Menzel. And the, oddly enough, because it's super loved now, but the audience and critic reaction was actually a bit mixed. People said that it was like really well directed. It was snazzily designed, but that the lyrics were trite and the music was generic, what? which, oh, but someone did say that if every musical had a brain, a heart, and the courage of Wicked, Broadway really would be a magical place. That's adorable. I love that quote. It's so adorable. <laughs> then, you know, along with that comes people that said it just, it's a sermon that overplays its hand and that it has more style than substance, which I guess I can see that it is very, like, crazy on stage but also it's just a fantastic show <laughs> like what <laughs> eh, i don't know and so like i said the film rights did originally belong to universal and so they've been talking about a film adaptation ever since 2004 and then they had a date set for release and they ended up giving that date to cats uh, Womp. Womp. <laughs> but uh, the most recent date for its release currently is december of 2021 okay but if they don't so fingers crossed chris and jenna with an idea menzel so <laughs> right so Kristen and idina have said that they are willing to do it however they've been told that they are now too old to play the roles what? so it will not be idina and chris that's rude that is rude right i don't so have the context have to... for that but that's lame <laughs> <laughs> to be fair it's been you know 15 years since they've played the roles. So, you know. Meh. But, yeah, so we're going to have to, at the very least, get used to seeing someone else in the that place um, if we do even get a movie someday. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, some other random facts about this show. One cast member of the original Broadway cast developed a show called Behind the Emerald Curtain, which basically gave a behind-the-scenes look of the show, the props, masks, costumes, and sets, as well as, like, interviews with the cast members. And so oh. it's a first-hand account of this giant production, which now I want to look that up because I'm sure it's got some really interesting things. Mm -hmm. If you're not already familiar, the main character, Alphaba, is green. <laughs> Wicked Witch. Classic. And it takes 40 pots a year of MAC Chroma Cake Landscape Green Makeup. To create that look for her. So it is just makeup you can get at the store. Huh. But thankfully it is water-based for easy removal. Because that, that has got to suck. Yeah, I always wondered that. <laughs> yeah, it's got to take a long time to get all 
set up for that. Right. They're single-handedly keeping that color alive. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. Exactly. (laughs) Each production requires about 250 pounds of dry ice to create all the fog that we see on stage. Oh my goodness. Ooh. There is a lot of fog. (laughs) I like fog. (laughs) One major point of this show is that we hear a lot of words that have been twisted a bit. So it's an Aussie in English. So we hear the word definish instead of definite. There's a sign across the stage at one point that says congratulation instead of congratulations. <laughs> and words such as festivate instead of festival. So it's like a little silly thing that shows that Oz is different than the world that we know. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then the show is based on a giant clock. So the clock of the time dragon is a lot more prevalent in the book. I recommend reading the book if you can handle it, but it's a little creepy and it's very different from the musical. So bit of a warning there, but maybe look into it. But the whole set itself is full of clock faces and gears and it is actually topped by a giant metal dragon. It does move and roar. It's very creepy. (laughs) But very cool looking. It's amazing. All right, so let's go ahead and hop into the first act. We do start off seeing the people of Oz, Ozians, celebrating the death of the Wicked Witch of the West. You know how in the original one, uh, Dorothy threw water on her. This They start off singing, No One Mourns the Wicked. And so we get introduced to one of our main characters here, Glinda the Good Witch, who comes down in a bubble, uh, which is a super cool technical effect as well. And she tells the audience about how the Wicked Witch was more misunderstood than anything. And she has to um, walk a a really, really fine line here because she is a public figure and can't seem too sympathetic uh, or that she actually cares about this Wicked Witch because technically the Wicked Witch is, you know, a bad person. So she can villain. Wicked. Yeah, Wicked. She has to tread very carefully. And so we get shown a little scene of Elphaba's parents. Her dad is a priest and he ends up leaving for the night. Meanwhile, her mom has an affair with a a guy. I know. And they drink a green elixir together. Uh Uh-huh, green. And she ends up pregnant. And when she has the baby, surprise, she comes out green. Wow. And (laughs) this absolutely repulses her parents. I mean, I'd be a little freaked out, too. Let's be real honest. And if my baby came out green, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the parents (laughs) are are really ashamed of this child, and the dad instantly is like, ew, gross. (laughs) Um, So we kind of skip ahead to the next song, which is called Good Old Shiz, where Glinda talks about how she went to school with the Wicked Witch back in the day. And the scenery changes to the school where we see a bunch of students talking about uh, old Shiz. And Shiz University, um, It's we, we also see the, the little bubbly blonde with a bunch of luggage who's Galinda. She's like the really rich girl and everyone knows her and loves her. And then we see Elphaba who is super awkward and green and scares everybody because she's green. Everybody. It's lame. But so we are introduced to the main character, uh, which is Elphaba. And apparently she was named for the author of the original Oz book, L. Frank Baum. L.F.B. Uh. Elphaba. Ha! Ha! Weird. 
Listen, they tried. (laughs) (laughs) They did. Also, at this same point in time, we do get to meet Nessa Rose here, or Nessa, Elphaba's sister, who is wheelchair bound. Their father gives her a pair of silver slippers and leaves her in her sister's care. You kind of get the impression here that uh, the father could not care less about Elphaba, but is all into Nessa. And just like Elphaba is basically just a a living caretaker for, for Nessa. So it's really unfortunate to see. The headmistress of the school, Madame Morable, comes into play. She takes Nessa Rose under her care and starts wheeling her away. Because uh, the dad probably slipped her a little extra money. Um, <laughs> and Elphaba gets angry and kind of freaked out that the uh, that Nessa is being taken away from her because she's always taking care of El- uh, Nessa. And so she activates some telekinesis here and pulls the weird chair back to herself, scaring everybody. <laughs> and Nessa's really upset and was is like, you, you said we weren't gonna do this anymore you can't be showing off these weird powers and stuff but actually madame morrible recognizes that elphaba has these powers and decides to teach her sorcery and says that maybe uh someday she could meet the wonderful wizard of oz in a song called the wizard and i elphaba sings about this and just this dream of being recognized and loved by love for just who she is and it's just all she ever wanted so she just sings about this this future that she's gonna make come true by being the best that she can be of course we get our next bit of drama because it seems there's no room available for alphabet because she wasn't technically meant to be at the school only nessa rose was and when when morble says that she'll take care of nessa that leaves alphabet just kind of floundering and by complete accident because her friends are convincing her to go talk to Morrible. And so Galena like runs up to Morrible with her hand up in the air and, and Madame Morrible's like, okay, you want to share your room with this, this green girl here? Good on you. (laughs) Girl. Very nice. Very caring. Right. Definitely what she meant to do. Uh, So the pair become roommates and it turns out they hate each other. They, completely hate each other so we get the song what is this feeling where they sing about where they sing about their hate for each other which is friggin hilarious great song glenda refers to alphabet as peculiar and impossible to describe while alphabet just calls glenda blonde (laughs) (laughs) that explains it right the most insulting thing excuse you It is a bit ironic that Elphaba, who has been a victim of color prejudice her whole life, is now defining her roommate by that characteristic, blonde. But, you know, this song does start to come off as a love song because they're singing about these new feelings that they have for each other that are just so powerful and they can feel it in their whole bodies. And then Uh, that feeling is loathing. (laughs) Whoops. It's with you. When I was a kid, I, I honestly thought that loathing was another another term for really liking somebody because I was really confused by the context until I, mm. I looked it up and I was like, oh, they hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> that makes so much more sense. I regret saying that to all my family members. I love you so much. <laughs> I loathe all of you. <laughs> I loathe you. I mean, loathe does sound very similar to love. Let's be real now. Right. So, like six, it's acceptable, I think. 
get confused. Sure, maybe. <laughs> so in our next scene, we see the students sitting in class with Dr. Dillamond, who is a goat, and he's the only animal professor at the university. So it's important to point out that this world has due to two different concepts of animals. It's explored a little more in the book, but animals with a lowercase a, which is basically, you know, the animals that we see, right? Uh, whereas uppercase A is an evolved race of animals where they can walk and talk and they, they, they're preachers and they're teachers and they do what humans do, basically. But they also face a lot of discrimination. One important note is that from the beginning of the show, the good witch, Glinda, is referred to as Galinda. And she's very particular about the pronunciation of her name, Galinda, with a G-A instead of, instead of just a G. However, Dr. Dillman is unable to say that Galinda for some reason. And so every time he calls her Glinda, she gets really angry about it. No, we'll come back around. <laughs> we will come back around to that. But anyway, so the animals face a lot of discrimination, right? So Dr. Dillman switches his chalkboard around to continue his lesson and sees on it that someone has written the phrase, animals should be seen and not heard. Ouch. Poor shame. Really, he dismisses the class, tells them all to just get out. He's trying to scrub it off, move on with his day. Alphaba stays behind to talk to him, and they talk about how clearly there's something bad happening. So we get the song, Something Bad. There's something stripping away the power of speech from these animals, and they're not sure what's causing it. We even see Dr. Dillerman slip a few times. Instead of saying bad, he starts to bleat or go, ha, 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 ha. So it's, it's literally happening to him as this is happening. And Elphaba wants to go talk to the wizard about it because that's what he's there for, right? Is to save the day. Fix it. Or not, that's going to go well. We'll see. <laughs> so she's, she's determined to fix this problem because she just wants to stand up for other people, which is a fantastic point of her character. Let's be oh, real. Like, yeah. She's just so, so strong-minded and really wants to help other people. So our next scene, we see students gathered in what appears to be a courtyard. We see Bach, who is a munchkin. Uh, he's this guy who has a crush on Galinda, and he's like following her around and trying to get her to notice him, and she doesn't want anything to do with him because he's just a measly little munchkin. Rude. Of course. <laughs> She's too popular for that. But then we see the handsome Fiero, a winky prince, who's also incredibly lazy, and he's being pulled in on a cart. Because <laughs> he can't even walk. Does I, you know, lazy boy. He's a lazy boy. <laughs> um, so the cart actually runs into Alphaba, and she yells at him about it, which is a pretty funny moment. It's hilarious. And then Fiero gets out of the cart, and he's just, he's telling everyone to just relax, you know, don't get so stressed about school and life and everything else. You should just follow his philosophy, which is dancing through life. So we get the song titled Dancing Through Life, which is probably one of my absolute favorite songs it's from great. the soundtrack. Not just because I love Fiero, but I super love the voice in the recording. So that's Norbert Leo Butts. Uh, it's just such a smooth voice. <laughs> you see a butt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay, in my head, in my head, I switch the, the letters around and I call them like Lorbert Neo butts. So, 
Wow. At least I said it right this time. That's true. <laughs> yeah. You got the bus Listen, right. I was just saying what everybody's thinking. Right. <laughs> you know, they're they're dancers. They probably got good butts anyway. <laughs> it's fine. True. It's true. But in this this super fun song, we hear him, you know, talking about just, you know, who cares if you're brainless? Just like relax and have fun with life. He asks where the best place to have a party is in town, and Galinda's like the Ozdas ballroom, of course. Like, duh. duh. And of course, she sees a cute guy and she's like, oh, I love him. <laughs> We're going to get paradise. Well, the pair does a little dance together and the whole scene changes into a ballroom. So now everyone is basically quick changed into suits and flowy dresses and they're dancing across the stage. Very fun. We do see Bach try to ask Galinda out at one point and she friend zones him. <laughs> and she's like, you see that? Right. She's like, see that that girl in a wheelchair over there? You should take her because she's sad and in a wheelchair. <laughs> Solid <Listen. reasoning. laughs> Is that really friend zoning though? <laughs> yes. You'd be and she such basically a uses good friend. <laughs> if you helped out and, the sad girl. <laughs> right. And so Bach ends up taking Nessa Rose to the party and she's like, I know you only took me because I'm in a wheelchair. And he's like, No, you're beautiful. And they spin around and dance together with her wheelchair, which is cute, but also, like, he's clearly lying to her. Yeah. And it hurts to watch. Yeah. <laughs> we also see a little scene where Glinda is chatting with her friends and making fun of a hat that she was gifted, which is pointy and black. <gasps> mm. <laughs> and, of course, she doesn't want it. So, as a joke, she gives it to Elphaba, who has never been treated well in her life and takes it seriously. And is like, yes, of course I'll wear this hat. Thank you. <laughs> and to say thank you to Galinda for giving her the hat, she goes to Madame Morrible and asks for Galinda to join their magic lessons. Which, so like, <sighs> she's such a sweet, sweet babe. <laughs> Elphaba shows up to the party in this hat and a dress. She's got, like, her shoulders showing off and everything. And everyone is, of course, scared of her. So she takes up this empty space on the dance floor and she starts doing this really awkward dance. <laughs> and everyone just kind of stands around and laughs at her until Glenda starts to feel bad. You know, she tried to make fun of Elphaba and Elphaba just did something nice for her. So Glenda goes in and joins her with her awkward dance. This <laughs> weird interpretive thing in front of the stage. It's hilarious, though. And it's great. <laughs> it is. Song comes to an end, and they're all dancing together. And because they had this this really awkward, fun moment at the dance, Elphaba and Glinda end up back in their shared room, and they share secrets. Glinda says that hers is she's going to marry Fiero, even though he doesn't know. Wow! Wow! You just met him. <laughs> Such a secret. Crazy. It's crazy. And Elphaba ends up showing a green glass bottle that was once her mother's. And shares the story about how her mother died after giving birth to Nessa Rose because uh, her dad made her mom shoe lots of milk flowers to make sure that she came out white and not green, which made uh, Nessa Rose come out with uh, her legs unable to work. So Elphaba blames herself for her sister's disability. And uh, Galinda's like, you can't you know, think that way. So let's let me let me f fix this the only way I know how. 
and we get a classic makeover montage where you know the pretty rich girl takes care of the only awkward weirdo and everything's better everything's better so Deglinda declares that they are friends now and that she's going to give Elfa a makeover and teach her how to talk to people and be popular in the song titled Popular um, <laughs> which is a it's a really fun fun upbeat song it's a lot of fun to sing too but she warm. it's yeah but she does all this while also complimenting herself the entire time and she like takes away Alphabet's glasses and applies some lipstick and plays with her hair and she tries to magic wand Alphabet some new clothes like the fairy god godmother from Cinderella but it doesn't work uh because oh. <laughs> she doesn't know how to do magic yet and she does <laughs> she has a silly little thing where she teaches her how to do a a toss toss with her hair which is hilarious part in the show but in the end, toss toss but in the end Alphaba just gets frustrated and runs out but glinda Sad. but glinda's not going to give up on her because they're friends now so that we go to the next day in class where dr dillamond reveals that he has been kicked out of the university Alphaba tries to stand up for him but uh, no one's going to help her with that and a replacement teacher arrives immediately and starts teaching that animals should be controlled so that they never learn to speak, which is like, wow, we didn't wait even a day, guys. In like five minutes. Right. And he shows off a lion cub in a cage. And this angers Elphaba, which, I mean, it should. And she ends up accidentally casting a spell, which disorients everyone. And she and Fiero actually steal away with the cage. So they... They scoop up this lion cub, and Fierro's not really sure why he's helping, but he is. But they they go off, and they actually share a tender moment in the woods, talking about this lion cub and how Elphaba's not, you know, as scary as she comes off to be. And Fierro actually kind of likes that. But Fierro ends up running off to go, go find whatever. He just gets kind of freaked out by his feelings, I guess. Well, lame. <laughs> And Elphaba sings a really sad song called I'm Not That Girl. And she's singing about how she's, you know, not normal. And she she can't be like Galinda and everybody else. And, you know, she shouldn't be dreaming about a life with this boy. Because obviously he's going to end up with Galinda because they're perfect together. And all that sad stuff. But Madame, Madame Morrible comes and finds Elphaba and tells her that the wizard has requested her presence. Which is like a big deal. Big deal big deal and it actually is raining outside and they make a little joke it's like oh you shouldn't get wet and morrible shows off that her powers are mostly attuned with the weather so she makes the rain stop which is kind of neat so she so Elphaba does get to go off to the emerald city and nessa rose and glinda come to the train station to see her off and fiero brings her a bouquet of flowers which is cute glinda <laughs> announces that she will be changing her name to Glinda, without the G, because of Dr. Dillamond. You know, in solidarity, that's her way of uh, helping. But Fiero <laughs> is... Yeah. <laughs> unimpressed, because it's not really that big of a deal. But in the end, Alphaba actually invites Glinda to the Emerald City with her, because they're besties now. Yeah. So they go to the Emerald City, which, obviously, is all green, and... This song is called One Short Day, where they just sing about the buildings and everything being so beautiful and every everyone's all dressed out in green and even uh, the girls get like green glasses and stuff and it's a great time. And 
Glinda's like, ah, man, this is a beautiful big city. I want to be here. And Elphaba's like, it's green. I like it. I'm not sticking out. <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> so it's a really fun song together. With she finally belongs somewhere. Oh. She finally fits in. Tear, oh, tear. So see the wizard, which at first is a terrifying moment because there's a large robotic head that's like moving around and talking. Yeah. Because you know, and we the wizard, too. right? Yeah. <laughs> but then the man behind, man behind the curtain, the wizard, steps out and reveals himself to just be a normal man. We get the song, A Sentimental Man, where he sings about how he's just, he's always longed to be a father, and so he treats the people of Oz like his children, and he thinks that everyone deserves a chance to fly. He cares about people and just wants to help people out because he's just a normal man. I just lift wow. him up. Everyday person. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> we'll see. Completely honest, in my perspective, it took me a while to like the songs that the wizard sings, because he sings this one and another one. And, like, they never felt really strong to me as far as the soundtrack goes. They're kind of slow and odd compared to everything else. But it took me a while to kind of take the show in as a whole and realize that the songs are just as important as everything else. Yeah, because they, they do tell a I don't know, they're just kind of... They're not as, like, fun and fast as the other ones, but it are it is important for, like, the story and stuff like that. So the wizard says that he will help Alphaba with, you know, whatever she needs help with, right? But only if she helps him first. Of course. So, <laughs> right, with Brokewell. So Madame Morrible comes out of nowhere, seemingly, Oof. with this creepy ancient book of spells, a grimmery. And basically they want Alphaba to try to read it because they say that it's, it's really hard to read. Like, you have to be really, really good at magic to be able to do spells out of this book. And so they want her to try out a spell and see if she can make it work. That's good. And so she tries a... <laughs> That's good. She tries a levitation spell. Monkey servant. Chistery. Yeah, there's a monkey. He, like... <laughs> a bit acrobatic on stage because he, like, crawls up and around and shit. But as she does the spell, it doesn't go quite right. And the monkey sprouts wings and starts going ballistic. I would, too. <laughs> And so at this point, Elphaba realizes that, like, the wizard is using her, um, that there was really no point in her doing what she did with the spell, but the wizard has no magic of his own and was trying to use her to cast magic. And she also realizes that he's the one behind the suppression of all the animals, so he's actually causing the trouble that she's there to fix, which is such a betrayal. Yeah. Been looking up up to, right, as her potential savior, the one man that could actually maybe treat her as someone normal because of her magic, is actually just an asshole. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so she steals the book and runs off with Galinda following not too far behind because she isn't going to leave her friend. But of course, Metamorable twists things and announces to the world that Elphaba's evil. It's not the, you know, the wizard's not the problem, is it's Elphaba, and she's a wicked witch, and everyone needs to catch her. She's doing all these terrible things. Not following the, how she's supposed to. Starting a literal witch hunt. Thoroughly. And so Elphaba is super upset, right? She's super betrayed, and so she swears revenge on, revenge on the wizard. Glinda's there as the... She's more level-headed here. She's trying to get her to calm down, 
and just apologize and give in because that's how you solve problems. Oh yeah. You say you're sorry and you just give in to what the other person wants, obviously. Obviously. Uh, so, you know, offense meant that's how Galinda solves things. She's probably never worked very hard a day in her life. And so she just, <laughs> she's like, just apologize. It'll be fine. And Elphaba's was like, I'm not giving in to his, his evil. And so she knows that she has to stand up for what she believes in. This leads us to the ultimate song of the penultimate song of the show, right? The most well-known song, both in this show and probably of all show tunes ever. <laughs> Even I knew this one. Mm-hmm. There right. you go. That says it right there. <laughs> Defying gravity. Big song. Alphaba comes to realize that she doesn't need the wizard's love and acceptance. She finds that, that strength within herself to do what she knows is right. And her and Glenda sing back and forth and Glenda considers going away with her but ends up deciding to stay and do what she can down in Oz while Alphaba is going to go off and do something bigger, right? She basically tells everyone who's ever pushed her down, so her father, Madame Morrible, the wizard, to just F off <laughs> because yeah, now she is flying high and she's defying gravity and she's going to be awesome without them. She actually uses the Grimmery to cast another spell on a broom so that it can fly. <laughs> Doesn't sprout wings this time. It actually just levitates. <laughs> <laughs> and she starts to fly away with it. We get a bit of an echo of the starting song, No One Mourns the Wicked, here as the Ozians finally catch up to them and they burst into the, the place where they're staying and they're trying to capture Alphaba. But then we get the iconic scene of Alphaba bright green skin she's got the big black cloak and the pointy hat and the broomstick and she looks she looks like the wicked witch of the west the classic picture you've seen all your lives that's what she looks like now and she's literally up in the air she's standing on a platform stage fact (laughs) and there's a whoa she's not actually flying guys But you there's so my much heart. fog. I can't see. <laughs> I mean, she's not a real witch. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, Idina Menzel is amazing, but she's not actually flying. She not have really powers like either. <laughs> <laughs> well, that one. <laughs> can't tell you just yet. I don't want to break your heart, Kylie. <laughs> you sound like you're going to. But I'm sorry. <laughs> So she's literally up in the air, defying gravity. Uh, there's this, like, big billowing cloak on stage and all this, like Matt said, there's all the, dr- the smoke and the fog and the Ozians are trying to like, catch her, but she's up in the air and she, she gets away. Uh-huh. And act one is over. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. So it's a huge moment. Like, it's a huge moment for act one to end on. And then, like, you just have to s- just... Ugh. Yeah, so, so in our intermission and real intermission, there is a lot to absorb and go through. You get thrown a lot of information in the first act, but none of it ever seems overwhelming per se. Surprisingly so. And uh, but does anyone have any like questions or comments about the first act? My only question is where or when do they come up with that water is bad for Alphaba? Later? Yeah, it, it, they talk about it in, up later. in the second act. It was just it was just mentioned early in the first act because it was just some a little like wink at the people that know the story kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, it's not officially discussed until later. 
It's basically just a rumor that gets passed around because we all know how rumors twist and turn. Yeah. Right. Because her makeup will wash off Kylie, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. And then she's white. This is why they're there. Have to go get more pots of green paint. <laughs> I mean, she just had to take a bath, and she would have been normal. <laughs> this whole time, she never took a bath. Gross. It it's definitely a lot more prevalent in in Act Two, but just by having only just like Wizard of Oz knowledge going into this, it's it's cool to be like, hey, it's that person. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and you say like, I don't have much Wizard of Oz knowledge because I don't know if I've actually seen the whole movie through. Oh boy. Well, like, a lot of the characters that are in this that carry over to the other one don't have, like, a ton of backstory. Yeah. It's just kind of, like, this weird trip. So it's cool to get, like, a lot more of that. And But, yeah, so, so yeah, the first act, you just get you get to know these characters and kind of what their motivations are and where they kind of stand in the whole scheme of things. And it's really, it's really neat to get all that information. Does anyone okay. have anything um, else on the act one? No, yes. So, like, as someone who is more familiar with the show, I love that things, because there's a lot of little things that build up in Act 1 that really come into play Act 2, so remember the things we've said so far. You will be uh, tested on them. (laughs) At the end of this podcast. Uh. (laughs) But I also, because I've read the book as well, it's weird to see the similarities and differences there, because it is extremely different. Very, yeah. very much so. You will not get the same story. But there's a lot of small similarities that build up. Uh, and it's just really weird to like wonder how they took this honestly super weird book and turned it into this musical. Such an iconic musical. Like, right. pretty much anybody could enjoy. Pretty much. Yes. I guess it's kind of like uh, the same thing with The Wizard of Oz, too, where it's just, like, I thought it was just kind of this, like, wholesome, like, fun little journey thing, and then I get a rundown of what the book's about, and I'm like, good lord, <laughs> this is terrible. Yeah. It's crazy. But yeah, so it's, so a lot of it does get even more wild in the second act, if you can believe it, before we jump into act two, we have uh well kylie has our theater fact the palace theater in new york is said to be haunted by almost 100 different spirits including judy judy garland uh two seats are permanently they're bolted open at the palace theater for the theater ghost to sit in that's so sweet you gotta leave room for the ghosts they like theater too yeah and if you don't leave don't room want... for ghosts, they destroy stuff so yeah it's like but they possess you, you. Yeah. If you don't honor them, that's when they get mad. But if you yeah. leave out, like, snacks and stuff, and they're like, all right. That's going to be my type of ghost. <laughs> Katie, you're going to be like a cat as a ghost. You're just going to be like, you're going to give me food. Knocks over vase. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, attention. Not bad attention. <laughs> Talk no too pets. much, but go away. Careful <laughs> with those bottles of booze. Ah! Um, also my right. type of ghost. I'm gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> nope, you're you're locked in. That's your contract. That's it for this week. See y'all later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that uh, all of our terrible puns are out in the open, we uh, are we ready to go to Act Two, everybody? No, we might be able to find more puns. Yep, Act Two. Let's go.
<laughs> so there is a bit of a time jump as we enter Act 2. Glinda has become a head figure against the Wicked Witch of the West as Glinda the Good. There is a press conference to celebrate Fiero being named as the Captain of the Guard. But the Ozians start freaking out about rumors about Elphaba, including a story that she can be melted with water. There you go, Kylie. Hey. Um, Morble then announces that Fiero and Galinda are engaged to be married. All of this angers Fiero, and he goes running off because, one, he still likes Elphaba and knows that she's not a bad person, and two, he didn't know he was engaged. So... Reasonable. There's that. Um, <laughs> so, so Glinda goes and talks to him and is like, yo, I know everything is not true, but we have to keep up appearances so we can keep her safe and blah, blah, blah. But uh, Glinda keeps up her cheerful front and realizes that all of her fame and good fortune just has come at a terrible price in a song called Thank Goodness, where the people are like, yeah, you're great. And she's like, I'm great, but it's a lie. So <coughs> there's that. So then we flash over to Elphaba, who has snuck in to visit her sister, Nessa Rose, who has now become the governor of Munchkinland uh, because their father had died. Nessa Rose. Um. Yeah, I know. Uh, Nessa Rose, who is real terrible, has taken taken away the rights of the Munchkins in order to keep Bach by her side, basically as a servant. So remember earlier when he was like, hey, you're beautiful. She took that real to heart. <laughs> yep. And was like, okay, cool. You're mine forever mine now. now. You can't go no place. So Elphaba tries to buy her sister's affection by enchanting the silver slippers that her father had given her so that she can walk. And which turns them into ruby slippers. Ha <laughs> ha. Ruby slippers. Ruby <laughs> slippers. <laughs> nudge, them. nudge. Yeah. Wink, wink. So hey, that's the thing. Hey, they talked about that once. <laughs> I'm sure it's not important. No, not at all. We're just going to skim past that one. But <laughs> Nessa Rose happily calls for Bach because she's like, oh, he'll love me now. I can walk. Like, that was the issue this whole time. Oh, yeah, that that's the problem. Right. And and he's like, oh, cool. You can walk. You don't need me anymore. I'm going to go because I still love Glinda. And I, I can talk I her out of this like... engagement. I don't like you. <laughs> and I don't crazy. like you. Right. And so, upset and nuts, Nessaro takes, <coughs> takes the grimmery that Elphaba just carries with her all the time and tries to cast a love spell on Bach. And, of course, not everyone can read the book, so she does it wrong and basically kills Bach. <laughs> Shrinks his heart. Yeah, she's like, your heart will be mine, but also it can't, it can't sustain your life anymore. So Nessa officially has become the Wicked Witch of the East here. And apparently this song, is, this song isn't, isn't actually in the cast recording. Because I, I, I have never heard of it. It's called the Wicked Witch of the East. But it's, so it's not in the cast recording. The reason why it's not in the cast recording is because it not only has a lot of dialogue in between the singing lines, but also gives away a lot of plot. And they didn't want to reveal that in the recording. Ah. Fun fact. Okay. Yeah, it's an odd thing because, like, the rest of the songs give away plot, but, you know, it's their decision. So. It was enough plot, though. So, Alphaba does another spell to save Bach's life, 
which turns him into the Tin Man because, as she puts it, now he doesn't need his heart. Bach is disgusted by this and he runs off and Nessa Rose is just like, it was Elphaba's fault, don't blame me. If you have to blame anyone, blame Elphaba because she's a terrible sister. And yeah, so the Tin Man just hobbles on off. Clonk, clonk, clonk. All sad. Hey, that's the guy. That Whoa. <laughs> the guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, after all of this insanity with her sister, and just trying to save the poor man, Elphaba returns to see the wizard. She wants him to free all of the monkeys that he's holding captive that, remember, she gave wings to in Oops. the first act. <laughs> on accident, but it's fine. And so the wizard is there, and he's like, fine, I'll let them go. And so he lets them go. And then he's like, but you should work with me, because I'm awesome, and you're awesome, and we could be awesome together. We're awesome. He sings the song Wonderful, which is basically about how good and evil are separated by a very thin line. There's a lot of moral ambiguity there, right? And honestly, Elphaba's almost won over. She's like, you know, you're not wrong. Things can be good and bad at the same time. But then Dr. Dillamond comes onto the scene. He's like pulled into the room and he is on all fours and he's a goat now. He's entirely a goat like an and he can't goat. speak like an actual goat. And she's like, uh, Dr. Dillamond. And he's like, Mah. I'm a goat. That's concerning. <laughs> <laughs> she, of course, gets very angry to see this, you know, man that she looks Tired. up to um, as a professor, now a goat. And so, of course, this angers the wizard. He's like, clearly, I can't get through to her. So he calls in the guards to arrest her, who just happened to be led by their captain, Fierro. What? Just happens to be there. And, of course, Galinda follows him because that's what she does. Fierro ends up helping Elphaba escape, and they leave together, oh. which leaves Galinda feeling super betrayed. <laughs> I mean. And brokenhearted. I mean, her, her man just left her for her best friend. And so she sings, I'm not that girl, a, a reprise of the first song. And so as a mirror to that one, she now sings about how she is not enough for Fierro, whereas before it was Elphaba not being enough. And so she just, you know, that she's not going to end up with Fierro, that he loves Elphaba. But she also is, like I said, feeling a little betrayed. And so she suggests to the wizard and Madame Morrible that the way to catch Elphaba is to use her sister as bait. Oh, she is not great. And so Madame Morrible agrees and uses her magic, which remember from the first act is weather-based and she conjures a dun, 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 tornado. Oh my God. It's Ooh. the thing. The thing from the one thing. Yes. <laughs> Leads to the other thing. Whoa. <laughs> I wonder what that tornado was going to do. <laughs> we'll see in a bit. Um, meanwhile, Fiero and Elphaba are alone in the woods, and they're probably banging. Oh, um, not on the stage. They basically sing about it. Yep. <laughs> they said, we're banging. They basically said that they're like, we're super passionate about each other, and we only have tonight. So we're just going to push away all those stupid expectations that other people have of us, and all those stereotypes about us, and we're just going to open ourselves up get to each other. busy. And enjoy this night together. And get busy. <laughs> but at the same time, it's probably my favorite song because it's super like, like yes, they're banging, but it's also a beautiful song because it's it like is. flowy and dark and like 
They're just so in love, guys. I love uh, it. <laughs> uh. They make that noise. But of course. <laughs> <laughs> but the song ends with her saying that she finally feels wicked, which is an interesting concept because, like, she's been essentially been called wicked for half the show now. And yet she's just starting to, like, accept that maybe, maybe she is doing things that seem bad, but she's doing them for the right reason. At least that's what she feels. And so their their love session is interrupted because Alphaba has this this vision of Nessa Rose being in danger and she sees something about a house. Oh. I wonder. Oh. So she knows that she has to go off and save her sister. But before they go their separate ways, Fiero tells her about Kiamo Ko. Yeah, I said that right. Kiamo Ko. Sure. Uh, which is a castle that his family owns that she can hide out in. So he's like, go there. I'll see you later. <laughs> Bye. So Alphaba ends up meeting up with Glinda in Munchkinland, where Nessa Rose has been crushed by a farmhouse. Because no one's talking about Glinda has had at this point just given the ruby shoes to Dorothy and sent her on the yellow brick road. Again, you should know what that means. So Alphaba feels betrayed. The shoes were a reminder of her sister, and she wanted them, of course. And so the two so she was like, oh, you got rid of the shoes that were mine. And she's like, ma, you slept with my man. It's like, oh, <laughs> got me there. Yeah, got you me didn't there. even ask him to marry you. You just said we're getting married. Right. Whoops. Whoops. Uh, so they end up arguing until guards arrive and arrest Alphaba. But Fiero shows up and holds Glinda hostage until Alphaba is allowed to go free. Glinda pleads for the guards not to harm Fiero, but they drag him off to a nearby cornfield. And string him up like a scarecrow to torture <gasps> him. Papa! Scarecrow. Uh, <laughs> so as Elphaba gets to the castle that he told her about, she tries to cast a spell of protection on him. But she has no idea if she's doing it right and everything like that. And so she decides that from now on, she's going to be wicked like everyone thinks she is. She says that no good deed goes unpunished, like when she tried to save Dr. Dillamond and how she tried to do something good for Nessa Rose and now Fiero. And this is one of my favorite songs called No Good Deed. And it is such a super powerful, powerful song where she's finally like, listen, I've tried to be good all my life and it's done nothing but do horrible things for everyone I love. So I'm just going to be wicked like everyone says. Meh. Mm -hmm. Screw you guys. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's a fantastic song. Now back in Oz's capital, the Ozians have united, declaring war on the Wicked Witch, and saying that you know wickedness must be punished. And this song is called "March of the Witch Hunters," where a bunch of you know people are just gonna go out and just murder her because reasons. And Bach is actually seen there. He is leading sort of the charge, and he describes how he's heartless, like literally heartless. And it's Elphaba's <laughs> fault. And he actually mentions the lion cub that Elphaba and Fiero saved in Act 1. And because he was unable to stand up for himself, he's the cowardly lion. Which... Ba-bam! There's the last one. <laughs> da -da -da -da. Da -da -da. So, meanwhile, Glinda realizes that Morrible has powers over the weather. And is possibly responsible for Nessarose's death. Like, wow, how did this tornado get here? I wonder. So, it wasn't in the forecast. Yeah, <laughs> I put that there. Glinda uh, attempts to go and try and warn Elphaba that the angry mob of the Ozians are coming to the castle to fight her. 
So back at the castle, Elphaba has captured Dorothy and Toto and is holding them hostage until they give her the ruby slippers. Like, she's not hurting them. She's like, just take take the shoes off, you dummy. But Glinda arrives to warn her of the danger and tells her to let the little girl go free. But Elphaba refuses. But she receives a letter brought to her by Chistery, the monkey from the first act where she she's he's the first one that got wings. And Chistery tells her that Fiero is dead. So the two women talk it out and end up forgiving each other. It's like, well, can't be mad that you stole my boyfriend. He's dead now. Because <laughs> that's how it works. That's definitely how it works. <laughs> but they, they put everything behind them. And Alphaba gives Glinda the grimery. And the two say goodbye. So Alphaba's like, listen, you have to keep fighting for good in any way you can. But, you know, it's I'm really glad that I met you and that it it didn't go great. But it could have been much worse if I didn't get to know you and, and how they're each, they each have good in their lives because of the other person in a fantastic duet called For Good. And in this song, the, the pair actually switch keys in this song. Alphaba is now singing the soprano part and Glinda is singing the alto stuff, showing what they have taken and learned from each other, which is super cool. I don't want to say symmetry, but yeah, I'm going with that. So also Alphaba did a lot of hiding and holding back in her life. So by taking these higher notes, she's stepping up and being fully her. Glinda, alternatively, has always been uppity and flashy, but is now taking a step back and learning how to be less attention-seeking. So a common theme in Wicked, being good is not always a good thing, and better does not always equal good. (laughs) Yes. Yay, progress, character development. Yay. Exactly. So good and wholesome. So good. While also being evil. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the mob arrives at the castle to get Alphaba. Uh, Alphaba tells Glinda to hide, and she kind of watches from the corner, and the audience sees through a curtain as Dorothy throws a bucket of water on Alphaba, and she melts away in a cloud of green smoke. Poof. Classic scene. Glinda sees that all that remains of her friend is the pointy black cat. That she gifted her and that green bottle that was her mother's that we saw earlier in the show. And Glenda looks at that and she recognizes it. She's like, you know, I've seen this, something like it somewhere else. And so she goes to confront the wizard because she saw one that he had earlier in the show. Hmm. Turns out that he's Alphaba's biological father. Bum, bum, bum. A little too late there. <laughs> uh, because, of course, all he ever wanted was to be a father, and he ended up ruining the one person who he was actually the father of. Terrible man. What do you know? Uh, so he breaks down sobbing, because he's just like, oh, no, my life. Wah. <laughs> and Madame Warble's like, oh, well, then that's why Elphaba was so powerful, because her powers came from two worlds, the land of Oz and then the, the Midwest that we know and love, right? <laughs> and North um, America. Well, <laughs> that's Kansas. where we are, I think. Hey, that me. Um, Not in Kansas, girl. Not in Kansas. The wizard is actually from Nebraska, I think. Nebraska. Land of the corn. I think that's that's where his history lies. Anyway. Land of um, the corn. I don't know. I don't know (laughs) about Nebraska. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Glinda, you know, I guess she feels a little bad for him. Like, he doesn't deserve to die or anything, but he's also been a bad guy. So, she banishes him from Oz. And she sends Madame Morrible to prison. She's like, see how you like it. Meh. The castle we see Fiero come onto the stage. Now is a scarecrow 
Okay. He sneaks in and opens a hatch in the floor, and out comes Alphaba. Ba-ba. Uh, Magic tricks. She's very much uh-huh. alive. Tricked you. Big <laughs> death. And they kind of, the two kind of have a talk, like Alphaba regrets that she can't ever tell Glinda the truth. You know, they're they're essentially ditching their friend, but they understand that it's necessary and you know there's not much they can do about it. And so they run off to be together. Very cute. Not sure how that's gonna work with him being a scarecrow, but it's fine. Don't they're gonna make it work. About it too much. <laughs> In the final scene, we basically have done a complete full circle to how the musical started. So Glinda's in her bubble up on the stage. The Ozians are crowded around her asking, you know, like they were in the beginning, what happened to the Wicked Witch? So she's finishing up the story and telling them how the Wicked Witch is now dead. Glinda is, of course, mourning her friend, but the crowd is celebrating. Earlier in Act 1, Elphaba actually sings at one point about having a vision that people are celebrating something to do with her. And she mentions this a couple of times that she she just knows that someday people are going to celebrate her. Turns out they're celebrating her death. Mm. Uh, but then you know we get Glenda and Alphaba kind of singing a little bit of their tunes from For Good as the pair are like separating and then the musical ends with the Aussian crowd singing Wicked and then it goes dark that's the end of Wicked you guys Also, I have such to, a crazy story. I have to throw this out there. The, the The first time I ever went to go see Wicked when it came through years ago, at the end when uh, Elphaba and Fiero skip off into the sunset or whatever, Fiero's like, "Hey, where are we gonna go?" And Elphaba's like, "Well, I hear Kansas is really nice." And it's like, <laughs> ha! Ha! jokes. I thought that was always jokes. really funny. Ha <laughs> ha funny. Hey, <laughs> hey. So yeah. Everybody, we did it. We got through Wicked, which is a tumultuous trip, but a very That's fantastical watch slash listen. Yeah. Does everyone think of Act 2? It wild. Uh, yeah. Kind of what you were saying earlier, where when Act 2 starts, a lot of the previous like little plot lines just kind of get amplified, and it is a wild ride. Like, oh, much get reveal after reveal. like Right. Like, oh, this this stuff. is how this fits in, and this yeah. is how that fits in. Oh my god. It's a puzzle. Puzzles. You hate puzzles. Like puzzles. So I think now it's time to reveal the truth. Well, no, just our little secret. We actually went to go see Wicked when it came through our town uh, not that long ago. We actually saw it on stage right before we did this, did this recording. Surprise! Woo! <laughs> I bet you're all shocked. She didn't see yes. that coming. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, so we, we were all able to go and this was Matt's first time at our at our big local theater here, so he was able to experience that firsthand and such a good such a good show to go see live. Like if you ever get the chance to do it, just do it. It's awesome. The Fox Theater things... is beautiful. Yes. Yeah, that is the fact that like Musical theater is expansive, but Wicked is a very easy show to start off with if you're just getting into theater. And it's su- it's super easy for, honestly, kids, like, people of all ages to watch because it's just, it's understandable and it relates back to, you know, Wonderful Wizard of Oz, which is a story that most people already know. Right. Um, 
and it's just it's super accessible as far as theater goes so it's a really good show to start with yeah i absolutely agree a few <laughs> we did have a few few nitpicks about it like the cast the cast and everything was it was pretty decent we were not a fan of fiero casting was that was was that our biggest complaint Fiero was honestly my biggest complaint he yeah i'm not aware of the actual words because i'm not in music but he was just a lot higher pitched than not only the fiero of this recording but just the way that i imagine fiero because i know that obviously it's never going to sound exactly like the original soundtrack i get that but he just i just imagine this like smooth croony voice and the character on stage just was very high pitched and almost bubbly and i just i couldn't reconcile it yeah i had this creepy thought throughout the entire thing that he sounded too much like a child and so yeah so singing a song like you know when when they're him and elphaba are just in the woods getting on i'm like this feels real gross i don't like it (laughs) so that also (laughs) felt kind of weird alphaba and galinda's relationship in this it just felt very (laughs) heavy-handed yeah so amber you want to do you want to go over that that quote since you we talked about it today already yes so one thing that we noted during the show was that between alphaba and galinda almost seemed um a little lesbian (laughs) a little you know a little more than friendship which is fine and is a headcanon i would totally accept oh absolutely (laughs) but i actually found some some information online where gregory mcguire the author of the original novel has actually hinted that the feelings between the two are stronger than friendship like in the book and the friends of dorothy in the book immediately start trash talking alphaba and so this is how the quote is uh, she has been unlucky in love, said the tin, tin woodman, like the rest of us. The tin woodman paused and placed his hand on the center of his chest as if in grief. She's a woman who prefers the company of other women, said the scarecrow, sitting up. Yeah. So, like, calling her a lesbian. And so, like, the fact that they've recognized that that friendship is maybe a little stronger than than it seems... It's it's a fine line, you know. Obviously, there's nothing outwardly about it in the musical, other than the fact that they like stand really close sometimes, and they, they sing in each, each other's faces, faces. sing yeah. directly in each other's um, faces. Like you know, it's just this production. Um, do I think they were like queer baitings or something? No, but do I think that they just were really close to each other? Maybe, yeah. Like I, I would. Totally, and do I accept? I would totally support an alternate universe of love. Yes, right. Like I would absolutely believe it, but I feel like it kind of downplays their strong friendship if everyone's like, "No, nah, they're secretly lesbians." Like yes. I think they really had a strong bond, and you don't need to play with the meaning of that. Like I think, what you know, because that, that friendship is just as like friendship is just as important as relationship love right and so that's something to be celebrated for them is that they are just really good friends Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and you guys were also kind of letting me in that, like, on this performance, it felt stronger than, like, the original. Yeah. When it was first coming through, but... Again, I mean, yeah, singing it... in each other's mouths, pretty much. They were face-to-face. Those poor actresses who had to do that, like, that's gotta be real uncomfortable. <laughs> it's, good. it's hard to sing out loud when you're face-to-face with someone, I'm sure. Imagine that hot air just on your face. <sighs> yeah. Uh, but overall, uh, the show was fantastic. The set was beautiful. Everyone sang very, very nicely. And uh, the acoustics were spot on. I know this can be an issue in large theaters, but their acoustics were great. Like, I gotta say that. And we o- overall, we had a, we had a fantastic time. We went with two of our other friends who happened to be free the same, the same time. And we had a great little get together, dressed all fancy and everything. We literally sat in our seats right as the opening notes started. We don't need to tell but people that. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad theater manners. <laughs> hey, we didn't. It was the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. It was the restaurant. Yeah, it was. <sighs> Still mad about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we did. We had a night. We did have a night of it, and it was fantastic. And uh, by the time when this episode does get uh, put out into the ether, we will post. We'll post some of our pictures from that so you guys can, can kind of get an idea of what our, our place looked like and what the program looked like and stuff like that. And that we're real cute. So. Cute. We're, we're real cute. So we'll throw those out there uh, when this episode airs. But Since everyone has seen it, because I can't do this for every show because not everyone right. is familiar with yeah. But since we, have, and since we have seen this one, what is everyone's favorite part of the show? It's so hard. Favorite scene. So. 24 or two that are new to the show. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. You guys go. Just <laughs> on the spot, why don't you? Yeah. What's your favorite part of the show, Matt? Um, I really liked seeing uh, Defying Gravity, like, on stage. Yeah. And, like, because, like, I knew it was a good song, and then seeing it on stage and seeing, like, the full moment was really, really cool. The imagery is fantastic in that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I really like that. That was probably my favorite. Right, Kylie, you've had your time. <laughs> so I really liked the um, the scenery in a way. Oh, yeah. Just like how everything was put together, like Glinda's little bubble thing that she came down on. It was very mechanical looking. Really liked the dragon, even though it didn't do much on the top of the stage. It looked very intimidating. It did. Yeah. I I I do have to go with like again defying gravity the imagery there was just fantastic and with this production at least it was surprisingly funny like they had a lot of little quips in there that I wasn't expecting I don't think it was <laughs> as as quippy in the first time I saw it um, I know how they had like their little jokes every once in a while but this one seemed really fun to me so that was a neat little neat little twist that they did there and made it kind of their own it's just the, the Toss toss. Mm-hmm. Like, toss, toss. <laughs> like we, toss toss. We still say that all the time. <laughs> so Amber, what about you? What was yours? Uh, I asked the question. I still don't know how to answer it. Amber. <laughs> I know. Okay. I know. I mean, I already mentioned my favorite songs, obviously. So yeah. Dancing <laughs> through life. And then as long as you're mine. Yes. Obviously are my favorite songs. But I think it's the 
think it's the end when it all kind of starts coming together that I really like. Like, it's silly, but I love that we get, like, the Tin Man and the Scarecrow and the Lion. Like, those little hints to the original. I just... And, like, I know that that's the purpose to the show, but I just love those little things. I'm also a big fan of the monkeys. Yeah, those are always pretty cool. They haunt my nightmares. (laughs) Exactly. Going back to your comment about tying everything together, it took me a long time to, like, catch this little fact. But, you know, Fiero turns out to be the scarecrow and all that, blah, blah. But in the beginning, when he talks about dancing through life, he's like, Mm -hmm. he talks about being brainless and how it's the way to go and how the scarecrow Mm -hmm. later has no brain. And foreshadowing. Yeah, I was just like, wow, I'm real dumb. There's so much foreshadowing in the first act. It's yeah. Like, There's a ton of foreshadowing. but That's why I love how it just all life. builds up. Yeah. Like, there's foreshadowing, but it's not, like, in your face, really. It's very, it's very like, subtle foreshadowing. Yes. Like, you know. The best kind. Yeah. Like, what's her face being like, yeah, I can control the weather. <laughs> I'll let me mm-hmm. this rain. Horrible with wet. the rain. That green glass bottle. Yeah. The green glass bottle. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, like... Not knowing the whole story going into it, I didn't know which characters were, you know, going to turn into like, oh, hey, it's them. So that was that was really fun to see. Kind of tying uh, all all aspects of the story together is really neat. Yeah, so it's not like crazy obvious stuff, but yeah. I mean, I guess listening to this, you'll you'll be spoiled on it. But whoops, oops. If you're listening to this, uh, you should know that this podcast comes with a spoiler warning, so. I mean, we literally tell you the entire story, so. Yep. (laughs) If you're upset about spoilers and we're in episode five, you're in trouble. (laughs) (sighs) What? Yep. So, anyone have any final comments on this here episode? Or Or on the live production that we saw? Yes. Uh, hopefully not the last. I want to want to do more of those, but I don't know if my wallet can afford that. <laughs> yeah, we definitely splurged on this one because it was such a phenomenal one. We knew we had to see it, kind of deal. But but yeah, it was it was a, it was a great time, and this musical was fantastic. Yeah, if you guys have nothing else, we'll go ahead and close this one out. <laughs> Woo! So yeah, that so wraps up. That wraps it up. Number that five. wraps up this episode yeah. of Save Me and I'll Seat. We hope you enjoyed going through Wicked with us. And we hope you join us next time when we uh, go through Cats. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're going yep. through it. We did it. If we can get through it, so can you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for, for listening to this episode five of Save Me and I'll Seat. We hope you all enjoyed it enough for us to continue doing this. We, of course, loved storytelling. And musicals, especially Wicked. So we uh, we just love that this was a this is a great place for us to talk about our passion. Um, if you have any helpful tips or comments, of course you can reach out to us at savemeanisleseat at gmail.com or just tweet us at saveanisleseat on Twitter. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye. Yay. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Save Me an Aisle Seat. You can find more episodes and shows similar to this at www.ragtagnetwork.com. Follow us on Twitter at Save an Aisle Seat. We make this show just for the fun of it, but if you would like to support what we do, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash save me an aisle seat. This episode was brought to you by the Ragtag Network.